So, did you hear this message? <laughs> Man, it was unbelievable. Really? I, I can't get over it. Oh, sexy? This woman drove us out of our minds. Like, uh, how did she sound? She had this throaty, sexy kind of whisper. Really? Like, uh, like, uh, Jerry, I want to slide my tongue around you like a snake. Secondary character. Hello. Hello. Uh, <laughs> I sound terrible. <laughs> you sound fine. You sound fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, welcome to another episode of But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. We are a Seinfeld podcast based out of Melbourne, Australia. And every week we take a random Seinfeld episode and examine the secondary characters from that episode. Today we are going to season three. A underrated episode, but uh, one that I enjoyed more than I thought I would. The Tape. Yeah, that's right. Season three, episode eight. And uh, yeah, that was uh, one which I discovered a lot about Elaine and a lot about George. Well, Mostly about Elaine. She actually, well, we find out rather that she actually has a sexy side. Yeah, a lot of character development in this episode, which is good to see. You can really see the writers of Seinfeld starting to get more confidence in their characters and fleshing out the characters and really, really ramping it up for what comes for season four and five and six, the golden age. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, it was funny how George was just so thirsty for Elaine. Yeah, he was a <laughs> bit of a creep, bit of a hornbag. Just a little. <laughs> just a little, just a little. That's if it. you want to be creeps and uh, get in contact with us and get thirsty for us, you can email us at bidwabasspodcast at gmail.com. We're on all forms of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Reddit. Uh, just search B-O-D-W-B-A-S-C on those services. Uh, obviously, you can listen to previous episodes on your podcast catcher of choice, mm. uh, and it would be awesome if you want to leave a review or a rating. And finally, you can support us financially. We are on Patreon. That's right, patreon.com forward slash B-I-D-W-B-A-S-C. And you can listen to our episodes of season 11 as they come out. So by the time this one comes out, episodes two and maybe even three will be out by now uh, but you can't listen to episode one on the feed right now we gave that one out for free so we hope you enjoyed that one and if you want to listen to more as well as other bonus stuff head on over there that's right lots of goodies there finally you can uh join our unofficial seinfeld facebook group it's called seinfeld isms so just type that into the facebook search bar and uh you'll find the biggest facebook group uh, biggest Seinfeld group on Facebook, not the biggest face, the biggest <laughs> Facebook group on Seinfeld. That's right. Well, you can be the biggest Facebook on Seinfeld. Well, it is technically the biggest Facebook group on Seinfeld. Yeah, that's technically true. Technically, yeah. true. If you think of it that it's way, a, yes. Yeah, it's it's a different way of saying it. So, uh, yeah, join <laughs> Abs- the fun. Absolutely. And in case you're probably wondering why you guys are doing this over um, Skype or whatever it is, I have some mild symptoms and obviously like of cold and flu symptoms. So obviously due to the COVID-19 pandemic that we are all experiencing around the world, I didn't want to, you know, I'm sure everything's fine, but I didn't want to pull Stephen to catch anything. So we thought just to be safe, we'll do it over Skype this week. Yeah, there has been a bit of a second wave in certain parts of Melbourne, a bit of a spike in cases. And one of the suburbs, I believe, is next door to where you are in Melbourne. Across the street is a restricted postcode, yeah. 
So like it's weird. Like my my suburb is divided by a road, <laughs> so I'm able to like travel freely around wherever I want. Whereas my neighbor across the road can't do it. I'd feel really bad. I'd feel bad. You know, if you're just going outside to go for a walk or do something that's not that exciting, but the other people can't do it, I'd just feel guilty just because they can see me enjoying my freedom while they're locked into their suburb for four weeks. Yeah, I know. I feel bad. I feel like baking them a cake or something and just you know dropping it at their front door. You know, just to say we're here for you guys. So um, but if you are one of those people in Melbourne in one of the uh, restricted postcodes who are locked down. Um, if you are listening to this, hopefully we can give you some comfort <laughs> for the next, you know, 30, 40 minutes or so and uh, hope you uh, stay strong and uh, it won't be too long before you're out and enjoying life with us again. Indeed, with us, already separating you. Oh, yes, us first then. We don't want that. <laughs> no, we need to all be united in these times. Look to the cookie, as they say. That's right. Yeah. Uh, every week we talk about uh, the intersection of Seinfeld and real life. We call that section Seinfeldisms. Do you have any this week, my friend? None, my friend. What about you? Uh, yeah, I've got two. First one, a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned that a couple of law professors in America have started a real but fake, I guess, uh, Seinfeld law course over Zoom every week. It's called, called the uh, Seinfeld Law presented by the Yada Yada Law School. Oh, uh, yes. Every week they put lectures up on YouTube uh, and they talk about a different aspect of the law. So like say commercial law or defamation law or corporate law, whatever. And then they relate it back to uh, certain Seinfeld episodes and certain scenes and themes in Seinfeld. Much like our friends uh, at Seinfeld Law, they have a blog. Uh, check that out. Uh, if you don't know about it, we did an episode with them way back when so go through your feed and check that out as well we did the stock tip that's season right. one yes we did so shout out to those fellas <laughs> indeed indeed uh, anyway i watched one of the uh lectures on youtube of uh the yada yada law school and it was really good a lot of it was dry boring law stuff mm. most of it went over my head because i'm not a lawyer and i don't really have much of an interest in uh legal matters i guess um but it was entertaining it was they they seamlessly referred to seinfeld throughout the lectures so it was it was very very well done oh very good very good i have to check it out then even though i'm yeah, not really it's... into like legal stuff stuff no 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 i found if you watch the video on one and a half or two times speed they go for about an hour each and you kind of just skip through you can tell when they're going on long long-winded sections about actual law you know you can kind of just skip through it mm. uh, if you want to just watch it quickly but uh it's worth at least checking out for five or ten minutes yeah definitely all right we'll check that one out second seinfeld is um i drove past a kramer street the other day i was oh, in melbourne fantastic can't remember where i am uh, sorry where i was i know where i am <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, hopefully you're on first yeah. and first. that's where you live <laughs> yeah and uh, i noticed there was a kramer street it was the only difference was is that it was spelled with a c rather than a k but oh, uh, close enough right close enough was it in one of the restricted postcodes no okay. no no because <laughs> yeah because you live uh, not too far away from some of the restricted areas yeah, I live maybe two, three suburbs away from some of the uh, restricted areas on the north side, yeah. uh, Reservoir, I think, Faulkner. Mm-hmm. I live a bit closer to the city than those suburbs, but pretty close. A lot of a lot of friends live in those areas and they've been affected. So, oh, that's terrible. Yeah. Well, if, if, if they listen to the podcast, I hope they enjoy it too. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, that's uh, all the Seinfeld isn't for this week for you, buddy? It is. Beautiful. Seinfeld News, how many articles do you have this week? Uh, we've got three this week. First up, Michael Richards made a very rare public appearance. Oh, uh, it wow. wasn't for any sort of it wasn't for any sort of press event or anything. He, I'm sure he does go out in public 
you know, like any normal person, but he's rarely snapped by the media. So I think he's a very consciously private person. But he was photographed in LA. He was putting shoes on. Uh, you know how you pop the boot and you sit on the edge of the boot and pop your shoes on when you go to the beach or go for a hike? Yeah. There's a bunch of photos of him doing that. And if the article didn't point out that it was Michael Richards, you almost wouldn't recognize him. Yeah. Uh, he's got really gray hair, huge, big, bushy gray beard, much like David Letterman grew after he retired from his talk show. And he, I believe, if he was changing his hiking boots so he must have been going for a hike somewhere or maybe coming back from a hike he looks 70 he's actually he's 70 years old and he looks every day of it he looks great yeah yeah but uh it, it's weird because because we haven't seen much of him in the public for the last 14 15 years you, you haven't seen like the slow aging process you know you see jerry get older every year but you see photos of him every month or two new press shots or whatever mm. So you can you can see it happening through real time. So when you see when you remember Kramer from, you know, the last major public appearance was probably either comedians in cars getting coffee or his uh, appearance on was it Jay Leno or David Letterman where he apologized for his his rant. It was actually you uh, mentioned Letterman, it's actually Letterman, I think. It was Letterman, yeah. Yeah, it was. And and everyone thought that Jerry because he Michael Richards came up on the video feed to apologize for the laugh factory incident and uh, yeah. people thought Jerry was doing like a joke. It was like one of his skits and Jerry's like, "No, no, no, this is real. This is what this michael's you know wants to say something so he gave him a platform yeah. to apologize and he and you know to be fair he seemed really sorry for what he did i know it was a terrible thing what he did but he did show genuine remorse i think yeah i think he genuinely feels bad about it but uh it was i mean i'm sure a lot of you have seen it go to youtube and type it in we won't uh, repeat the details here but it mm. is pretty uh pretty shocking yeah. and uh i think he he knew that his career was more or less done at least publicly mm. um, and he decided to take a step back but yeah just seeing him that old looking 70 was a <laughs> bit of a shock because we haven't seen him age in the public eye mm. you know over the last 14 years because his public appearances have been so rare yeah absolutely uh, Wow. Yeah, so so not news as such, but uh, a worthwhile update, I think. A celebrity uh, spot. A celebrity spot, yeah. The uh, the, the Bibobask TMZ camera <laughs> crew were out and about and spotted him. They haven't been um, around for a while. I think I think the Bibobask TMZ crew have been out a few times for Seinfeld News. Yeah, there's been a few celebrity appearances. Second bit of news is actually really cool. About a year ago, I mentioned that a Brisbaneite by the name of Brent Waller uh, submitted a concept for a Seinfeld Lego set. Uh, I believe a Lego set of Jerry's apartment and and then the core four and Newman. Uh, and that was actually greenlit by Lego through the week. Uh, no word yet on when it will be produced or when it will be available for sale or how much it will be. But uh, he did get his 10,000 signatures so to get it approved. So a platform called Lego Ideas uh, allows just anyone to submit a Lego idea. And if they get more than 10,000 people uh, confirming that they'd like that, then Lego actually produce the idea in Lego format. So that happened. Really, really sweet. There are some like like concept pictures you can check out online. We'll put a link in the show notes as well. And yeah, I'm guessing it'll be probably produced at some point this year, available next year. And um, hopefully it won't be too expensive because I think I'd actually like to pick something like that up. Yeah, well, I think we should buy one on behalf of Bidwabask and have it in the studio. What do you think? Oh, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, really cool. And there's actually another one that got greenlit was uh, Home Alone. I think they're doing the, the house from Home Alone. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's- so that'd be yeah, really pretty cool. cool. I think that was another one that was uh, that was picked. Yeah, that's really cool. So, yeah, so yeah, no, really, really cool. I might get one. Um, another, yeah, another thing for Seinfeld fans to collect and uh, spend money that they probably don't have on. Yeah, why not? Jeez, I mean, the economy's tanking due to COVID. You know, let's try and borrow some yeah. money with cheap interest and uh, and just buy whatever the hell you want, pay it off later. Just call it an investment, and you'll be fine. That's right. Yes, an investment which can make you a lot of money. I'm sure it'll be worth something to someone at some point. You know, 50 years down the line, when there's not many left, if that's it's in 
good condition, it might be worth a bit. So Yeah, I'm sure our children or children's children might be keen when there's a second or third renaissance of Seinfeld online. <laughs> <laughs> like there is now. for sure <laughs> yeah <laughs> third bit of news is that another thing that's been green lit is the uh next season season 11 of curb your enthusiasm and uh, larry uh, david brought out a, a like a joke quote he was saying oh hbo didn't cancel me you know that he said something i'm sure you've got the quote but he said something like they didn't give me the cancellation that i deserved or something i'm, I'm just paraphrasing him yeah it says one day i can only hope that hbo will come to their senses and grant me the cancellation i so richly deserve that's it yes so, yeah, so you're just coming back for season uh, that season 11 for Curb. Pretty cool. Yeah, that's it. So, <laughs> again, imagine I imagine it's being produced either later this year, early next year, and probably being released in the second half of next year or maybe even into 2022. It does take a bit of time between seasons. It does, definitely. And uh, we have uh, we have another bonus podcast called Curbcast where we review Curb Your Enthusiasm in order every episode. And we've finished one and two. Number two is on Patreon, season two, I should say. And uh, season one, you can go into our feed and check that out. So, uh, yeah, be sure to listen to those. For sure. And we will be starting season three probably in a month or two. Um, Haven't quite figured out a time. But if you want to uh, get access to that when they come out, again, just sign up to Patreon. That's it. Anyway, no other news? No, that's it. Very good, buddy. Let's take a really quick break and we're going to come back and talk about the tape season three, episode eight. Only a couple of very minor secondary characters today. Uh, The repairman at the start and uh, Jerry's friend Beda at Monk's. So uh, we'll talk a little bit about them. I think it'll be a shorter episode today, but uh, we'll have a bit of fun along the way anyhow. So we'll be back. Hello, folks. Matt McCoy here, a.k.a. Lloyd Braun from Seinfeld. And I'm telling you right now, I do not want to be a secondary character. The tape was the eighth episode of season three of Seinfeld, first aired in the US on November 13, 1991, directed by David Steinberg and written by Larry David, Bob Shaw, and Don McHenry. Jerry Yu has used a voice recorder at his most recent gig so he can listen to some of his new material. A woman has added her own voiceover to part of the tape, and for Jerry, George, and Kramer, it is the most erotic thing they have ever heard, and uh, we find out later on that it's actually Elaine that left that really dirty message. Really dirty and sultry, for sure. Sure. Sultry for sure. Like we, we can only imagine what she said. Yeah, it's one of those uh, unseen or in this case unspoken jokes that make it actually funny. It kind of like the bubble boy where you hear his voice, you get a hint of the bubble boy, but because you don't see the bubble boy, your imagination fills it in, which makes it funnier. So I think obviously they probably couldn't allow the audio on normal TV anyway. Of course. Yeah, but the fact that it was more or less unheard, I think, made it even funnier. And once again, it's another, like we have mentioned in the contest and the mango and other uh, episodes written by Larry David, another Larry Davidism where he gets like a euphemism and uh, yeah, he, he runs with it. And the audience is smart enough to kind of put it together as to what she may have said. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't call this one a direct euphemism mm, because, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, they're straight up with what, you know, it's, it's basically dirty talk on tape but you know the skirting that line between being provocative but not crossing the line into being something that couldn't be shown on tv so smart writing yeah very smart yeah definitely and anyway uh elaine thinks it's all very funny since she's the woman on the tape like i mentioned before while jerry frantically tries to track the mysterious woman down elaine tells george the truth and he's suddenly infatuated with her george has also ordered some hair growing cream from china but it has a particularly bad smell (laughs) (laughs) other secondary characters in the episode uh, are ping Wu. it's his first appearance as ping and uh, we talked about him for the very first time on this podcast in the visa episode 
episode a few weeks ago. John Apicella, he plays the repairman at the start of the episode. And Norman Brenner, he is actually Michael Richards' stand-in, as we mentioned before. He plays the, uh, I guess, another secondary character, Beta. And there's really only three secondaries in this episode. Yeah, I mentioned uh, before we started recording that I do have a couple of notes on an unseen character, the great Chinese doctor, Zhang Zhao. Oh, yes, uh, Zhang Zhao. <laughs> highly uh, lauded by George. A What does he call him? A great man, Zhang Zhao. Yes. So I do have a couple of notes on him as well, even though we know nothing about him. Yes. And uh, I got uh, only a couple of bits of trivia about this episode. Uh, so the fictional name of the porno that Elaine is in is Elaine Does the Upper West Side with uh, Kramer's VHS camcorder. He, you know, it's, it's all about sex, isn't it? It's all, you know, with the black and white video and pornos and stuff. Sex is a huge theme in this episode, eh? Yeah. I mean, Seinfeld talk about sex quite a lot, you know, because it's for more or less single people in New York, obviously having casual sex with a lot of people, obviously dating. So it's a, it's a theme that comes up. But it's rare that a whole episode, except maybe the contest and the mango and a handful of others that you've already mentioned, mm. the whole episode revolves around something sexual. It's usually just sort of a, a theme that's interwoven into a different storyline. So, yeah, yeah a, a much, a much probably the sexiest episode of Seinfeld up until this point, for I, sure. I would say so, absolutely. And uh, the name of the porno is actually supposed to be called Hannah Does Her Sisters, and it's actually uh, a real-life porn film. Apparently, that's what it's uh, called. Uh, and it's funny because the, the film that inspired the porno, uh, Hannah and Her Sisters, directed by Woody Allen, uh, JLD actually had a small role in that film. Much like uh, when we did The Burning a little while ago, that was a film uh, that Jason Alexander started in in the early 80s, uh, sort of like a schlock. Yeah, slasher film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Horror I know. film, so. I know. So, yeah, obviously they look, yeah, obviously the writers are looking back on the uh, call for their filmography and sort of, you know, taking things that they've done and, you know, bringing them into Seinfeld, which is, you know, a cool little nod to each individual actor's mm -hmm. um, personal film history. Absolutely. Yeah, so that was a nice little reference there as well. For sure. The trivia that I have is that much like many, many uh, plot lines in Seinfeld, this one was inspired by a real-life situation where Larry David, being a famous bald man um, and someone who feels that the bald community is misunderstood and much aligned, uh, maligned, I should say. Mm. He actually tried a baldness cure and uh, it was basically a, a scam, much like this one. Oh, there you go. Did he get it from China? Yeah. Don't know any details. Uh, tried to find some more details, but all, all I found was that uh, he, you know, probably getting a bit desperate, probably willing to believe anything and, uh, you know, gave some money to someone to a clinic or mail ordered, don't know, uh, but it turned out that uh, he's still bald. <laughs> <laughs> he's still bald, there you go, after all these years. And he's doing an 11th season of Curb, so uh, he must be doing all right. Yeah. And a very interesting bit of trivia I had about the tape is uh, this episode was as well as uh, the Simpsons episode, Bart the General, you know, the one of the very first episodes of the Simpsons. Um, they yeah, were, it's like the fourth or fifth episode from season one. Yeah, so way back when, like, what, 89, 90 when that came out? 90. Yeah, 90, yeah, there you go. So these two episodes were used in an experiment to study brain activity in relation to humorous moments on TV shows, and it was conducted by a Dartmouth College. I'm guessing they're from the UK. Dartmouth, Dartmouth yeah. College is uh, one of the Ivy League schools. Oh, Ivy League. Oh, so it's in America, Dartmouth, is it? Yeah, Dartmouth College oh, is that. Right. It's it's sort of like you know how Harvard and Yale are like the top end of the Ivy League pool. Yeah. And then you've got like Stanford, you know, and it goes down. Dartmouth yeah. is like the lower end. It's considered like the the lowest out of the uh, Ivy League schools. Oh, okay. I think it's kind of yeah, it's considered like the loser out of the the Ivy League. That's why they're doing experiments on TV shows instead of something a bit yeah. more meaningful. <laughs> you know, anyone, I think anyone would be impressed that uh, you know you went to Dartmouth, except if you went to Harvard or Yale, you'd be like, Ugh, Dartmouth. 
Oh, right. Okay. So there's that hierarchy there. Yeah, for oh, sure. Fair enough. I didn't know. I thought they were from the UK. But anyway, no, it makes sense uh, having The Simpsons and Seinfeld in the experiment. The results, yeah. they were published in a 2004 issue of the academic journal Neural Mage. And uh, the researchers noted, and I quote, during moments of humor detection, significant brain activation was noted in the left posterior middle temporal gyrus and the left inferior frontal gyrus. Oh, mm. there you go. There you go. So uh, the tape was, I could imagine, uh, probably because of Elaine's sexuality, the uh, the participants probably really had a lot of brain activity there. Yeah, I think there was a bit of uh, humour detection as well as a bit of other forms of detection, if you know what I mean. Yeah, didn't Freud say that a part of the brain is all about sex? Maybe that part of the brain kind of activated as well. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> Frank Zappa, the uh, excellent musician who's uh, unfortunately not with us anymore, he said that the most uh, important sexual organ is not your genitals but your brain, and I couldn't agree with him more. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That was uh, played out when Jerry had that chess match with his dick in his brain. In that, I think it was an earlier episode than the tape. Might have been a season two one. I forgot which one. But, uh, yeah, I think yeah. it was. I can't remember which episode, but uh, yeah. I think we one of the first times Seinfeld did like something a bit, you know, like a flashback or hmm. something a bit detached from reality. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, so that's probably where it came from. Anyway, enough about dicks and brains. Let's talk about some secondary characters, eh? Yeah, that's, uh, uh, that's what we do and that's what we should do. Absolutely. So uh, let's talk about the repairman. So he's played by John Apicella. He's known for High Crimes, Point Break, and The Kid. All I have for him, really, is he sounds like he kind of reminded me of his voice. He sounded a bit like Larry David, but like a chirpier version of him. Yeah, I can I can hear that. He just seemed like Larry David if he was an optimist <laughs> instead of like his nihilistic, you know, self. Yeah, he's, um, he's a bit of an odd bod, a bit weird. Yeah. Very detail-oriented. Yes. Um, in a way, because of the detail-oriented personality, he reminded me of, you'll know his name, the, the carpenter who remodels Jerry's kitchen, who meticulously goes through every choice yeah, and the, frustrates in, Jerry. The, in the nap episode from season eight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we talked yep. about that one. Yeah, Come, yeah. I think but, it was Milton you know, just, or Morton or something. It was something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but different sort of personalities, but the only similarity and what reminded me of him was the fact that he was very, very meticulous about details. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, he, he's also on the journey to uh, cure his baldness as well. He's a bald character as well, obviously. So uh, when he finds out about this mystery cream, uh, he's pretty keen on it too. Yeah, he uh, when George mentions the, the CNN special about the baldness cure, he sort of chimes in and is really enthusiastic. He's really excited and him and, him and George just have an understanding in that moment because they're both probably on that constantly fruitless journey to cure their baldness. Mm. Uh, so I think I think they have a bonding moment in that in that scene. <laughs> a bonding moment. So bald people can understand each other. I think so. They yeah. they speak their own language. There's uh, a bit of empathy there. A bit of empathy, I could imagine. So what do you think? Do you think he just maybe tried his luck and bought some cream himself and see what happened? I reckon he would have, you know, like George, tried to to try to communicate to the clinic in China. Uh, found it hard because no one on that end spoke English, and he had to find someone who could speak Chinese to translate and get his request. I reckon he would have gone through uh, a similar journey to George, you know, a different a different route, but the same motivation and the same outcome, so desperation. Not, yeah, so not getting his delivery driver to speak to them. No, no, no. I mean, that was just a fortunate coincidence that worked out in George's favour, the fact that Ping can speak Chinese and he was on the phone when mm. he turned up. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think it would have worked out so conveniently for the fridge repairman. Repairman, But, yeah, uh, yeah I reckon he would, have, he would have found, he would have had to have tried to find someone who spoke Chinese to and when I say Chinese that's because in the episode they don't delineate between Cantonese and uh, Mandarin mm. so we'll just say Chinese, Chinese but yeah. uh, I, I reckon he would have tried to find someone just to get the baldness cream in his mailbox I mean you, you heard how excited he was so yeah he would have gone to great lengths I think yeah how lucky are we these days with Amazon and eBay and 
all that stuff. Yeah, for sure. Those poor buggers had to actually call China, which would have cost like a couple of bucks a minute at the time or whatever it is, just to because even Jerry complains. Even Jerry says, "Hey, on a call to China, it costs a lot of money." Yeah, like when Ping. I mean, we'll talk about maybe we'll talk about Ping a bit later. I'm not sure if you have any notes, but um, I did laugh when Ping. You know, after he does his translation for George, how he just sort of sits down and makes himself at home and just starts having a casual conversation with you know some stranger from China about whatever that I don't know what they're talking about. Just how quickly he goes from doing a favor for George to just pretending he's in his own house. It's, yeah. I, I, I thought that that was really funny. Yeah, absolutely. Well, should we talk about Ping anyway while we're here? Like while we're yeah, about yeah. I, I didn't have anything else about the fridge repair man. There wasn't no. much to go on. Yeah, there wasn't much. There's not many, not much substance to these secondary characters this week. But you know, we're trying to squeeze blood from a stone, <laughs> basically. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, Ping. He's played by Ping Wu, and uh, yeah, we have talked about him a few weeks ago in the Visa episode when he first turned up on this podcast. You mentioned, I remember a few weeks ago, where I I, I had a, a theory about him, but you were saying that he's actually because I thought he was a very caring guy and and all that stuff. But I think you said something along the lines of in the tape, it's revealed that you know he doesn't really give a shit. He just kind of you know stays on the phone and he kind of goes off in his own tangents and spoke to him, the guy in China and stuff. Yeah, he's a bit he's a bit arrogant. Arrogant, um, yeah, he's not yeah. Like, I don't think he's thoughtless. I just think he's a bit cocky and a bit arrogant. Yeah, and, that's what you said, yeah. You know, visa, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think he's a bad person. I think he's an okay person, but he just um, he just sort of forgets his place sometimes. Or oh, that sounds really horrible. He forgets, <laughs> he forgets the situation he's in where you can't just have a casual conversation on someone's phone unless they've told you it's okay. You know, he kind of just forgets himself is what I meant to say, not yeah, forgets yeah, his yeah. place. I get what that you mean. That sounds completely horrible. Mean. That's not what I meant. No, no, no. I, I get what you're trying to say. Yeah. All delivery yeah. drivers are cool. Well, most of them. Yeah. I think I mentioned in the visa as well that he is a bit of a smart ass. I think he likes having a bit of joke at people's expense. You know, just a bit of light. I don't think he's like mean or malicious, just a bit of rib- lighthearted ribbing just to sort of rile people up. And he certainly does it uh, in this episode where George goes, oh, what, what are the side effects? And he, he's, you know, he asks in Chinese, what are the side effects? And when he goes back to George, he's like impotence. And George looks really concerned and then he laughs at him and then, you know, he realizes that he's uh, being made fun of. I, I think that's just another demonstration of him just being kind of a bit cocky and a bit of a smart ass and just a bit of a bit of a prankster, a bit of a jokester. And interesting how you mentioned impotence as well, because it kind of leads back to George's attraction to Elaine. Because, you know, George is trying to court Elaine and stuff and he's probably thinking, you know, if I'm impotent, I can't get with Elaine. Ah, so it's a bit of a, bit of a connection that, there, yeah. Yeah, that's that's true, actually. I mean, I think any anyone would be concerned if impotence was a side effect of any sort of treatment, but... But uh, when you're very keen on someone, I guess it would be extra concerning. Yeah, absolutely. So it was a nice little connection. Yeah, for That's, sure. Yeah. Anyway, That's all I had about Ping. About Ping, yeah. I guess our last secondary character. Well, we are committed to doing all the episodes of Seinfeld, no matter how many secondary characters there are. But uh, I guess our last secondary character is Beda. In the script, it's actually Peter, but uh, his real name's actually Beda, B-E-D-E-R. And uh, like I mentioned before, he's played by Norman Brenner, and we've mentioned him several times on the podcast. Uh, he was Michael Richards' stand-in on the show. Besides Seinfeld, he's also appeared in an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm, ironically titled Seinfeld. That's the uh, reunion, reunion, I think, from season seven. Plays a customer in the background of Monks during a reunion scene. Oh, there you go. Yes, and there you go. The only things I had on Peter is we find out that he once yelled at a jockey and the jockey got off his horse and started chasing after him. And I'm guessing he's probably just simply used as a plot device to uh, get Jerry away from Elaine and George so Elaine can tell the truth. He seems like an old friend of Jerry's because when Jerry sees him, he's like, oh my God, it's Beta. Like, you know, someone, like an old friend he hadn't seen in a long time. So maybe maybe he's like a fellow comedian or someone he knows from the entertainment industry and he just hasn't hasn't seen him in a while. So I think him and Jerry go back quite a way. I think he's got probably a gambling problem because 
who's you yeah. know he's always at the track trying to get his money back or whatever and he probably got really frustrated he on the horse that he was betting on and then the, you know maybe got came last or something and then he started yelling at the jockey and then the jockey got really mad <laughs> you know maybe the jockey yeah. himself was pissed off that he had a, a crap race and he came last or whatever um so he just got really frustrated and he's like that's it i'm gonna kick your ass man yeah i would imagine as well i would agree that he has a problem maybe at this time when he yelled at the jockey that he'd had like a re- it was the end of like a really really especially bad run of uh luck gambling and you know maybe he was down to his last hundred dollars or something and he was extra he was frustrated enough to yell something insulting enough at a jockey for the jockey to get off his horse and chase him <laughs> yeah so exactly. i'm sure i'm sure you know and it's not it's not okay but i think most people who are in sports especially where people's money are on the line you know are probably yelled at every single time they're out on the field or the track or whatever they're doing yeah but i'm guessing beta was more angry than normal than your average fan who was just a bit frustrated that he lost a bit of money mm. he was so frustrated that he yelled something so insulting yep. that it forced the jockey to not ignore it as he normally would but uh, get off and and uh, try and try and fight him yeah this four foot eight guy running after you <laughs> trying to kick yeah. your ass <laughs> yeah, yeah for sure yeah, yeah. But i think maybe he was maybe that yeah maybe he hit rock bottom at that time and he stopped gambling yeah. and he recovered or something. But Jerry seems to, I mean, Jerry, I don't know if it was even rock bottom because Jerry says that one time a jockey got off his horse and started chasing him like it's like a funny thing. I think if it was like yeah. a serious thing, Jerry probably wouldn't joke about it. Well, Jerry does like, I mean, you know, the core four, as we've said, and as is well known, they're, they're pretty terrible people and they do, yeah, they do punch down. laugh at they other people's misfortune. I mean, look yeah. at the finale. They laugh out loud in public over some guy getting carjacked. So yeah, that's I don't think it's beyond Jerry to laugh at his friend's misfortune. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and turn it into a funny anecdote amongst his friends. Probably, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's all I had about Beta. What about you? Uh, yeah, nothing else. I did want to mention um, Zhang Zhao as well. Oh, and Zhang Zhao, yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm going to guess that he is probably a scam artist, probably a bit of a crank. Yeah. Um, Definitely a snake know, a oil a, salesman, or in this case, bit of a, a yeah, bit of a sh- bit of a shyster, bit yeah. of a grifter, uh, pick your word. And I think maybe he is, I mean, it's a typical, I guess, trait or uh, strategy for any grifter is you take advantage of people's uh, desperation, you know, and George is obviously very, very self-conscious about being bald. And I think Zhang Zhao is probably the sort of man who's perceptive enough to know that there's a large group of people out there, you know, bald men who are sort of in their 30s and 40s, you know, feel very self-conscious that he's able to sort of sell just what is just stinky cream that doesn't do anything because people are desperate enough to pay for it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, in that time, we mentioned in the Chinese woman, I remember a while ago where China at that time was still, it hadn't quite gone into like the full capitalist, you know, society that we know it as now, the superpower or the future superpower of the world that it's going to become. So I think, yeah, so I think with China, yeah, they, they found a lucrative market in the US who was going through a big economic, you know, after the Berlin Wall fell, there was a big economic, you know, it was like a lot of optimism in the US and, you know, the economy was going up and stuff. So they thought to take advantage of the situation, uh, they'll try and sell to Westerners. Yeah. And uh, I think it's fair to say, and uh, if you're American, I don't mean this uh, as a stereotype, but I would assume that Americans are probably a bit more conscious of how they look than some other countries. You know, it's a very, it's, you know, it's a country that uh, talks a lot about like outward success. You know, you've got to dress for the job you want, those sort of things. Mm. So I think tapping into that sort of social psychology of not just accepting that you're bored, but being insecure about it, I think, again, is just that sort of emotional leverage that Zhang Zhao is perceptive enough to uh, have over people who, you know, don't want to be bored. Yeah. And Zhang Zhao had uh, took advantage of the situation. For sure. Could have uh, maybe, you know, if Shane Warne was uh, looking at China for uh, any balding creams, you know, because he's been an advocate for like hair regrowth 
companies and stuff, Shane Warne and a few other ones, the cricketer. Yeah, he probably would have tried to go to China as well, tried his luck. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Who maybe. knows? Maybe they could have teamed up Shane Warne and uh, one grifter with another grifter. Oh, no. <laughs> Let's not go there. <laughs> Uh, anyway, that's all I had about all the secondary characters. It's a really short one. Indeed, same. Yeah. Anyway, we'll take one more break and we're going to find out where the tape sits in our episodes we've reviewed so far. And if any of today's really, really minor, almost tertiary characters make our list in our top 20, we'll be back. I was the one who talked into your tape recorder. I know, George told me. <laughs> you told him? He, he threatened me. <laughs> you come up with all that stuff? Oh, that was nothing. Elaine, I, I have to tell you something. George, no. No, 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 no. George, I'm telling you. What is it? I'm very attracted to you. Uh, now, Stephen, out of 133 episodes we have done so far, where does the tape sit for you? Uh, this sits at number 12. I loved Whoa, this episode. Oh, 12. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, it is, it is a good one. I thought this episode's fantastic. Uh, I thought that there were no weak points at all. Really, really awesome plot device being the tape and how it sort of roped in uh, even Kramer at the end. You know, it sort of it just slowly drew everyone into the dynamic of these men sort of primarily lusting after Elaine, That's especially right, in that yes. last scene where yes. it, it cuts to their three faces and they're all just sort of giving her this weird, creepy look. They're all thirsty, um, thirsty for her. So, so thirsty. They're dehydrated. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I love this episode. I thought it was fantastic. How oh, about you? Very good, man. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Um, number 57. So, okay. yeah, no, I really liked it. I like how it was different too because there was a different director, David Steinberg, usually was Tom Chirinos yeah. that would direct these but uh, this time it was a different director so I felt like it had a different feel as well and I like how they experimented with like the black and white footage to represent uh, Kramer's camcorder as well I like how they kind of experimented with a few different shots and filters and that sort of thing i listened to signcast the probably the premiere mm. uh seinfeld podcast uh out there which is sadly finished yeah um so there's like 15 seinfeld podcasts we're like 15th and signcast yeah, is like number true. one and then every other seinfeld podcast is in between so it makes sense <laughs> yeah they talk about how it's really really fun the scene where kramer comes in with the camera and you know george who's sort of a bit awkward um and he's on the phone you know he's not really part of it willingly like he's sort of rope into it and he's a bit apprehensive and he's sort of just going along with it because he feels like he has to not because he wants to but it was just fun seeing jerry george oh sorry jerry kramer and elaine just sort of going with this weird situation of kramer pretending that he's filming like a behind the scenes at a porno like mm, on the set that's right and they all just kind of went along with it and yeah. it just all worked it was just like a really you rarely see you know any more than two out of the core four kind of just go along with like this situation that just arises out of nowhere and just have fun with it it was almost like they were just normal people having fun rather than being like sadistic weirdos they were kind of just like we're just going to be like fun relaxed people yeah. and, and you know just play play around and just be normal i noticed so that it was, too it was, yeah yeah definitely. yeah it was they made that point and I watched the episode and it, it never really occurred to me. I was like, that's a really good point that they were just like in the moment having fun. And that's so rare in Seinfeld. Yeah, absolutely. They seemed like really normal. Yeah. They were just like, you know, going along with it. And, you know, everyone was just like, this is fun. We're friends. We can do this. And it's not awkward. And that's a more realistic dynamic of three or four close friends just 
doing something almost like a like an improv scene you know it just sort of happened mm. but usually the core four even though they're best friends they're usually trying to sort of work against each other or they you know they don't give a shit about each other so yeah. it was a nice it was a nice change of pace even for a couple of minutes yeah absolutely it kind of reminded me of like a 90s teen rom-com like or just is like laid back not not in terms of age but just in terms of you know they're all friends and they're hanging out and one of them might whip out a camcorder and you know they'll pretend that they're in a film or something it just seemed really carefree and uh, it kind of reflected with the uh, like i mentioned before the economic the boom in the uh, 90s in the u.s and also the optimism after the berlin wall fell it kind of seeped into that episode yeah i think so it was just like carefree and spontaneous and fun you know and they all just enjoyed it and went with it it was a simpler time for sure. <laughs> For sure. Um, do any of today's really, really, really minor secondary characters make your top 20? Uh, no. Honorable mention to Ping, though. Uh, I'm not sure if I mentioned that when we did the Vs a couple of weeks ago, but I really like Ping. I think he's a great secondary character, but not, not good enough to enter my top 20. Fair enough. Yeah, same with me. But anyway, that was the tape. And uh, yeah, like I said, not many secondary characters in this episode, but we are committed to doing every single one. And we're almost at the end. We got like another, what, 30-something left of these? 30-something left, yeah. yeah crazy. And uh, yeah, we go. So we got plenty more time, plenty of time, I should say, going through them. And uh, that was another episode of Bidwabar. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, like I said, it was uh, Stephen couldn't come into the studio today because I wasn't feeling too well. And uh, due to the COVID situation, I thought to be safe, we'll do this one over Skype. But uh, next week, I should be much better and uh, we'll be back in the studio together. For sure. We are doing an episode from season seven, The Wink. That's right. <laughs> With Mr. Morgan getting uh, shafted by George unintentionally. It's <laughs> <laughs> so, all marriage falling apart. You screwed me again, Costanza. <laughs> so good. <laughs> yes, yeah, his whole marriage. You see, like, his marriage fall apart in front of your eyes. Yeah. So good. Yep. So anyway, yeah, looking forward to doing the wink. And uh, my name's Ivan. And I'm Stephen. You can find us on social media at Bidwabask, B-I-D-W-B-A-S-C. We're also on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Bidwabask, where you can listen to our latest bonus podcast series, season 11, where we get uh, episodes of Seinfeld. We come up with the plots ourselves and they're set in the modern era and we read them out to you and introduce some secondary characters as well and uh, bring back some old ones too. For sure. Yep. Check that out. Leave us a rating and review on your podcast service of choice and say hello. We'd love to love to hear from you. Absolutely. Podcast at gmail.com if you want to shoot us an old-fashioned email. But anyway, we will see you next week for the wink. Catch you later. Bye.